Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast, which is affiliated with Wisconsin Sports Heroics. I'm your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. You can find my writing by following Reviewing the Brew and Wisconsin Sports Heroics on Twitter. Trevor, my cheesehead loving buddy, is not joining me here tonight. I texted him about an hour before I wanted to go live here and haven't heard back from him, so he's probably out doing something fun outdoors, kayaking, grilling, enjoying a cold summer shanty. I don't know. Doing something more fun than I am on this Thursday evening because I got the Brewers vs. Phillies recap coming up here in which the Brewers got swept. So I guess I don't blame them for not wanting to join this podcast tonight here as it's never fun to talk about a series loss, but a four-game sweep is just even more devastating, especially how it all shook down down in this series. So game one was a 4-3 loss. It was Lorenzo Cain's first game back after his stint on the IL, and in his first at-bat, he had a lean-back tape-measure shot into center field for a solo homer. Christian Yelich batting third. Also, his first game back hit a single, so that was pretty cool to see, and altogether, both players had a really good first game back. Adrian Hauser on, was on the mound for the Brewers. He ended the night with just two earned runs, courtesy of a JT Remilto two-run homer. Unfortunately, two more runs did cross the plate when he was on the mound. This is in the second inning, and all of them were unearned runs. Luis Urias airmailed Dan Vogelbach with a throwing air to first base. There was nobody on, and then, of course, subsequently, the next two batters were an RBI triple from Quinn and then an RBI ground up from the Phillies pitcher Velasquez. So, like I said, those were all unearned runs there. But being down 4-1 to heading into the top of the third, the Brewers' offense decided, eh, we're just going to sit dormant until the eighth inning. They played it two runs at that time. With the rain coming down in buckets, the Brewers ended up loading the bases with nobody out due to back-to-back walks. And then they had an infield single by Christian Yelich. From there, Travis Shaw had a sack fly, Avi Garcia an RBI ground out. And then, obviously, Garcia ended the Brewers rally in the eighth inning here by being picked off first base. In the ninth inning, we got a leadoff double from Dan Vogelbach. So you think, all right, we're going to close this gap here. But then strikeouts from Urias and Maley made their chances look pretty slim. But Billy McKinney's like, not so fast. He drew a walk. And then Wong hit an infield single. So all of a sudden, you got the bases loaded again, this time with two outs. Lorenzo Cain up to bat. You can just see the writing here. First game back, plays hero, but is unable to do it. On the 12th final strike pitch of the game, he's unable to check his swing, and the Brewers lose this one 4-3 to in dramatic fashion. 
Game two was a six to five loss. Very, very similar feeling to game one, where the Brewers scored again in the first inning. This time it was due to a leadoff double by Wong and then an RBI single from Vogelbach. But the Phillies countered right after. With Eric Lauer on the mound, Andrew McCutcheon hit a leadoff homer. And then things really fell apart in the third inning. Lauer allowed a second solo homer to Andrew McCutcheon, and then five straight Phillies got hits after that. Fortunately for the Brewers, the first Philly who got on base after the homer was Reese Hoskins. He was trying to stretch a single into a double and ended up getting tagged out. It was a really nice tag job by Colton Wong for the throw from Billy McKinney was a little bit off, but Wong was able to recover. So at that point, you have two outs, but then four more straight hits here. So, or four more straight Phillies reach base, I guess I should say, because the next batter, Travis Shaw, had a fueling error. The ball went right underneath his glove. Then Alec Bohm singled. Didi Gregorius singled to score a run, and then Brad Miller hit a three-run homer to make it 6-1. to one. So that sequence is how Eric Lauer ended up with just a boatload of unearned runs in this one. Not all entirely his fault, but I do think it's worth noting that I didn't think Eric Lauer was particularly sharp in this game. I mean, Lauer himself had two throwing errors on pickoff attempts to first base. You just can't have that. That was not good. The Brewers did have multiple attempts to try and rally and win this game. They loaded the bases in the sixth inning with just one out, came up empty, no runs. They did score four runs in the seventh inning. They got Clutch Hits Arias, Kane, and JBJ, who mashed a 411-foot homer into dead center. So that made it 5-6 to six going into the ninth, in which in the ninth, the first two Brewers grounded out. And then Pablo Reyes had a pinch hit single. Travis Shaw had a single. So with JBJ up, he gets into a seven-pitch battle and then flies out to end the game. Game three was a 5-4 to four loss, the third straight loss by one run. And this time it was a five-run first inning that did it in for the Brewers. So I actually missed the first seven innings of this game. So I went to Twitter to as to how about to get a recap of this. So I'll read some of those responses off here. First one is from Nicholas Winter. Freddie gave up five in the first. Offense has been chipping away, but like the last two games, can't chip enough away. Jack Stern says Freddie was bad in the first. Then he was untouchable. Big Dan got thrown out at the plate, nearly hurt himself. Avi drove in some runs, which included Big Ned making it to the plate safely this time. Rasmussen just threw two scoreless out of the pen. And then Anna says Brewers gave up a grand slam in the first, but seemed to be attempting a comeback. We got our runs off Avi, two Avi singles and Tyrone Taylor Homer. So that gets you caught up to the seventh inning when I finally was able to start watching. And I get on there and Lorenzo Kane. Walked to begin that inning, but then a quick a double play quickly just killed all momentum there. The eighth inning, Avisil Garcia picked up his fourth hit of the night with a leadoff double, but never scored. Go figure. And then in the ninth, Lorenzo Cain walked again, stole second, but then Luis Rios, Travis Shaw both struck out to end this game, left him stranded there. Brewers were two of nine with runners in scoring position in this game. 3 of 12 the night prior, so that made a grand total of 5 for 21 over the past two games. It was just a really bad theme throughout this entire series, and when you're losing by one run, it just hurts even more. Last game, game four, was a 0-2 loss. Of course, game starts at like 12.40 or something, so not able to watch this one either, but the box score says it all. Zach Wheeler pitched a complete game for the Phillies. He outdueled Brandon Woodruff. We had our ace on the mound. Wheeler threw a complete game three-hitter, and in fact, two of the Brewers' hits came in the ninth inning. 
That was pinch hit singles by Kanan Garcia. And with just one out, you thought, okay, the Brewers maybe can actually put up some runs, maybe tie this game. Nope, Colton Wong, Dan Vogelbach both fly out to end this game. So very, very sad offensive day. I don't want to take away from what Woodruff did, looking at his box score, 6.2 innings pitched here. Gave up just two hits, two walks, one earned run, which was off a solo homer from what I understand. And then he struck out 11 batters. Brandon Woodruff has now lowered his season ERA to 1.73. He was the first Brewers pitcher this year to crack 100 pitches in a game. He did his job in this game. The offense, like most of the series, did not. So let's back up here to game one because we talked about Christian Yelich making a really good return. And then he plays one game, goes right back down to the I.L., Apparently the back issue is not healed well enough for him to continue playing each and every day, which is something that goes back to his minor league days. I found that very interesting. Andy Haynes actually coached Yelts in spurts throughout his minor league, like single A, advanced A, and then even in the triple A days, all between like 2011, 2014. And Christian Yelich missed times due to back pain flare-ups during those times, but he said he's never seen a spout or a spurt last this long before through with Christian Yelich here and it's concerning right like I see a lot of people talking about you know what does this mean we haven't locked up for a long-term investment here what does it mean going forward do you just say hey take the rest of this year off get healthy we want to protect you and make sure you're ready to go in the future or is it okay just take as much time as you need Nobody really knows because he's had MRIs that, you know, didn't really show anything conclusive, which is obviously good news and also very frustrating at the same time. I guess from my standpoint, where I'm looking at it here is we still have to remember that like when this all shook down, they're like, yeah, you know, if you're in a pennant race, he'd probably be playing, but we're in May right now. We got a lot of games to go. So while, yes, it's really concerning, Christian Yelich's back is not allowing him to play every day, like the way it kind of sounded like, hey, maybe he could play a game a series or, you know, something like that. Right now, that's just where he is. In September, you're going to take that. I just don't think we're going to shut him down throughout the entire year. I find that hard to believe. As much as, yes, I want Christian Yelich to be good to go throughout the remainder of his contract, I mean, that that's what the offseason's for. If Christian Yelich is able to go in little mini spurts here, and hopefully, you know, that improves, you know, you're, he's going to have to get eased back in. Maybe it is, you know, you play a game a series for a while, and then maybe it's two games a series, and it, it might take a little bit while to ramp him back up. Obviously, I don't know exactly what's going on with him. It sounds like nobody really does. I'm no expert in Christian Yelich's medical history here, but you're going to want to do some sort of progression like that would be my guess. Kind of similar to what they did with Kane. He had that great first game, and then, you know, he didn't start every game this series. He's coming back off that quad strain. But he had a good season, series overall, but they didn't just rush him back in, even though he's off the IL. So I think something like that is similar in Yelich's future. I really, really hope he does not get shut down for the remainder of the year. But obviously, if that's what's best for his health, then I completely understand. But we are do not, we're not able to make that call. And it just kind of bites home a little bit more with, with Kesson here struggling and then now subsequently demoted. I talked about the failed bench attempt on my last podcast. 
Well, now minor league baseball got underway. May the 4th be with you. That was opening day for the minor leagues. So Kessenhira is going to play there. To the best of my knowledge, he hasn't started there yet, taken a few days to, you know, take some mental days before he, you know, starts playing every day down in the minor leagues, which is really what he needs at this point. I know a lot of people are probably monitoring the stats down there, but it's not always about the stats. Obviously, I want him to have success. I mean, that's what happened in 2019. He was having a tremendous year in AAA, came up to the Brewers with a full head of confidence, hit really good. Brewers sent him back down, continued to hit, and then came back up, and he just had a full, he was full steam ahead that year. 2020 was just weird because you didn't know how much of it was real or not, and we always knew he had swing and miss in his game, and the numbers were elevated a little bit, but it was it was COVID, and the ramp-up periods are weird, but this year, he, everything's just through the roof even more. It, it's quite really, you don't know quite what to make of it besides he's hurting the team, which is why he now got demoted, so he's going to work on some things down in the minor leagues, right? Like, I don't, you know, the calling card's not to be, oh, Christian, or Kesson Hero's hitting a lot of home runs in the minors. Yeah, he's ready. No, how about just making some contact, man? Like, hit the ball hard. Barrel some pitches up. I don't need to see you hitting over 300 in the minor leagues. I just need to see you making good contact, having good at-bats. Maybe you work on taking pitches, seeing the ball better. You know, whatever his goals are, he's going to have to figure that out. And he's going to have to work at it. And hopefully we see him back up here with some confidence, ready to contribute whenever that is. Because this slump that he's in to start the year, it's just like deja vu to Travis Shaw from, what was it, 2018, 2017, whatever year it was when he was terrible. So hopefully Kesson Hira can figure that out. And now Dan Vogelbach's getting a majority of the chances at first base here. I do want to point out some really interesting stats that I think it was Kyle Lesneski tweeted out about Dan Vogelbach this year because you look at his raw stats and you're like, yeah, you know, like a 200 hitter, not like you're not impressed. But he is currently ranked in the 91st percentile in exit velocity, 95th percentile in hard contact rate. But when you combine that with he's hitting 51% of his pitches on the ground, eh, not good. He's got a 333 slugging percentage, a 127 ISO, which is essentially like that's your power metric per se. So the conclusion to take there is if he can just get the ball in the air more, he's going to do more damage. He's hitting the ball hard, just on the ground a lot. Like, come on, Dan, we don't need that. (laughs) We want to see that lefty elevate some balls here into the outfield, take advantage of American Family Field. There's some potential there if he can figure that out. But of course, now the big news today was Albert Pujols got released by the Angels. The Angels are eating his contract. It was the final year of his 10-year ridiculous contract, whatever it was. And now everyone's like, oh, Brewers, they need a first baseman. Go get him. Go get him. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of other teams out there thinking that. He was obviously a longtime Cardinal, had some really successful years with that. And I threw up a Twitter uh, Twitter poll. And if what fans are thinking, and right now it's been staying pretty consistent through almost 200 vote, votes of 33% say, yeah, Brewers pursue him. 67% say no. So a big reason why he got let go is he wants to be an everyday player. 
Now I know there might be some notion there like, well, what if Kesson Hira starts figuring it out? Do you just release Albert Pujols? Because if you start benching him, he's not going to be happy. So I think that's probably a big reason why he's going to say, yeah, not so sure about Milwaukee. I know Hira isn't up there right now, but if he starts figuring it out, I'm going to end up in the exact same situation I was in LA where playing time becomes scarce and I'm not interested in that. that I think that's going to be the biggest number one reason why he doesn't come. But just as the player, he's still pretty good. His stat cast numbers are pretty damn good. He's never been a high strikeout guy, creates a lot of contact. He's rated in the 90th percentile in the max exit velocity this year, hit a pitch at 112 miles per hour. That's pretty impressive. And then just overall average exit velocity, 68th percentile, 56th percentile in barrel percentage. He's in the 81st percentile in expected slugging percentage. Yeah, his raw stats aren't necessarily the greatest on the year. He's batting 198. He's got five homers to go with 12 RBIs. Take a look at what he did in the shortened season last year. Hit 224, six homers, 25 RBIs. 2019, the last full season, hit 244, 305 on base, 430 slugging, 734 OPS, hit 23 homers, drove in 93 runs. 2017, he cracked 100 RBIs again. Same with 2016, where he actually hit 30 homers. But now you're digging back five years ago. But there's still he's still going to be a productive productive player. I think no matter where he goes, he's still playing the field a lot. He, he can play defense. Not like he was just playing DH out there in LA. But where's he going to fit in? I think that's going to be the biggest part. It sounds like he's not going to go to the White Sox. That Larusa connection there doesn't sound like that's going to that's been ruled out already. Will he go back to the Cardinals where he still has a house? Maybe. God, for our sakes, I hope not because he's always been a brewer killer and that would just piss me off. <laughs> um, but I don't think it's going to be at the Brewers. Would I be mad if he did it? Hell no. I, I think he'd be a great asset to this team, especially with Kesson here down. It would just have to be on the veterans minimum. And with the notion of, hey, if Kesson here figures it out, Hira's probably going to get some opportunities there. Well, I'm going to reel it back here to this Philly series. Sorry to get sidetracked there. Got to go into my series MVP. And series dud. So I think for MVP, I'm going to go with Woodruff in this game. Even though he gets the hook for the loss, he did his job. We lost the first three games of the series. You're throwing your ace out there to prevent the sweep in a four-game series. 6.2 innings. 11 strikeouts. His only mistake was that homer that he gave up. That's some great stuff there from Woodruff. He held up his end of the bargain. Unfortunately, hitters did not in this one, but he gave the Brewers a chance, and I mean that's really what you want out of Woodruff. Every day, every fifth day he goes out there, he needs to be the stopper. He needs to give you starts like these. He did, but offense did not hold up. Honorable mention-wise, I think Avi Garcia gets an honorable mention. 7 for 11, 4 RBIs and a double. He did get some rest days in there, had some pinch hit opportunities. He's been playing a ton, but some rest doing him well in those these limited opportunities. Same with Lorenzo Kane. First series back, 4 of 8, 2 RBIs, a homer. Drew 4 walks. I think that's a big to see. 1 stolen base. So if you're thinking you want to see a combination of Wong and Kane back going one and two in the lineup, 
you want Kane drawing walks and getting on base, that that might be something to pay attention to as we keep going forward here because Vogelbach's been getting some of those two-spot opportunities here. Uh, it would be interesting to see what they do going forward. I think Kane has the potential to be a great two-hole hitter for the Brewers here. I still like Wong at number one. For series dud, it's tough. You get swept. It can I, I'd like to just blame the whole offense with runners and scoring position, but you can't do that. So I'm going to go with JBJ. One for 11 in this game, five strikeouts, one walk. He did have that one homer with two RBIs that I mentioned, but there was a few chances late in games. He was up there, not putting the ball in play, not delivering hits. Honorable mention, same thing with Luis Arias. For as great as he's been, he was up there late in games with a chance to turn the table, give us a victory. Two of 13 in this series, seven strikeouts. Eef, that's a little scary there. Those those are my two honorable mentions there. I I didn't like the way Eric Lauer pitched, but I'm not gonna give him a dud for this one because it was that it was an error. That's how he ends up with six runs allowed, and only two of them were earned. So unfortunate there for him, but he did give up three home runs in his in his outing, two of them being to Andrew McCutcheon. Other, I guess we'll call them middle-of-the-road guys. Your average Joe was pretty average series for Travis Shaw. Two of 12, but drew four walks. So that was pretty good to see. Dan Vogelbach, 4-13 this series. Drew two walks, an RBI, and one double. Not bad performance out of him there. And then you look at your outfielders. McKinney and Taylor both got... Eight at-bats each. Both of them only collected one hit. Tyrone Taylor's happened to be a homer. Billy McKinney's was a double. So, yeah, it'd be nice to get Christian Yelich back. <laughs> We're going to leave it at that. <laughs> so let's transition next to the Marlins. We're seeing them again. And in fact, we could see pretty much the exact same Marlins pitching staff. Trevor Rogers is going to be pitching Friday night. Still says to be determined on ESPN for Saturday, Alcantara for Sunday. Brewers announced Friday it'll be Brett Suter, so it's going to be a bullpen day. That should obviously be Corbin Burns, but not making a start there. Adrian Hauser should be on Saturday, and then if Eric Lauer is granted a third start, that's probably what would happen on Sunday. Since we've last seen the Marlins, Jesus Aguilar is still on a tear, so that'll be interesting. But as a team, the Marlins got swept by the Nationals right after seeing us, and then they won a series against the Diamondbacks. They're going for the sweep as I am recording this here tonight, so not sure if they will get that or not. But it should be an entertaining series. I know everyone always goes out, Marlins, easy win. They're a pretty good team. They made the playoffs last year. They were really hitting their stride coming into Milwaukee last time and still playing overall good baseball. So looking forward to this weekend series. Hopefully we get two out of three. It'd be nice to get back on track here for the Brewers, especially, especially would like to see some more offense. So we will pay attention to that. I will be back to recap that on Monday. Marlins series recap will be coming out then. So in the meantime, make sure you're checking out all my work, reviewing the Brew and Wisconsin Sports Heroics. It's summer. Nobody likes to read articles. I get it. But I always try to keep mine short, concise, to the point. 
four to 500 words, sometimes 600. Takes you three minutes. I like to provide the same quality of content that I do during the off season. So make sure you're checking all that out. I appreciate it. And as always, I appreciate you listening to the podcast. But I will be back on Monday and have a good weekend for our fans.